Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Boom shakalaka. Okay, uh, any questions for me, concerns, anything? No, not at all. Let's do it. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then, uh, for uh, lack of any delays, I'd say we're, we're doing pretty well here. Uh, you want to get started by introducing yourself, uh, tell, tell listeners what you're working on, what you're doing this, uh, this month, this week, this year? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is Jesse Attard. Uh, I'm the CEO and owner of um, uh, Tactic Studios. Uh, we're just in the process of finalizing our game, Clear de Loom. And it should be out in a few weeks' time. We hope June 14th is the date we're currently targeting. Nice. And at this point, we are just dropping the last bit of audio and uh, fixing some of the bugs that we've seen in the game. So not much left to do at this point other than make sure it works. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, the game is up on Steam already. Uh, so I've had a bit of a look at some of the trailer footage some uh gameplay trailers now you guys have a pretty cool youtube channel going like i like what you're doing with the channel how long have you been uh, working on that um well uh years ago i added a, some content to the channel myself that was focused around you know making indie game content as well as uh programming tips things like that uh but uh more recently we've been focusing mostly just promotional stuff for the game Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I guess that's been going on for a few months now. Nice. It seems to be doing fairly well. The videos seem pretty popular. Uh, explain what players will find with, uh, Claire DeLune, your latest game. Um, well, it's a story driven puzzle game, uh, first person puzzle game, fully 3d, uh, kind of like portal, I suppose would be the most obvious comparison, except, um, where, portal you're generally in like this testing environment uh with puzzles that are contrived as a as part of the uh the testing facility in this case the puzzles are um tend to be more real world naturally occurring puzzles uh and uh yeah things that you would have to overcome like there's a locked door you need to figure out a way to open it more like a like a old school adventure game those kinds Mm -hmm. of puzzles um, on top of that, there is a bunch of platforming. There's a different mechanic to the uh, uh, to the game. This gameplay uh, mechanic of um, the gun uh, we have, similar to the portal gun, we have something called the nano gun, which spawns these cubes that can be like pushed and pushed away from walls or pulled towards walls, and you can use them to kind of navigate the uh, the planet surface that you're on. And the game looks fantastically polished in these trailers, and to to explore some of that, I guess we have to talk a little bit about your professional background. So walk us through that at a high level. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I've been working with Tactic uh, for uh, six years now, I guess six, seven years. I don't don't quite recall, somewhere around that line. But uh, prior to that, I worked at Digital Extremes, uh, who make Warframe. I didn't work on Warframe. Uh, it was just being developed uh, just as I left, really. And I uh, worked on a Star Trek game, uh, Bioshock 2, a little bit of Halo 4, um, a little bit of the Darkness 2, Homefront, uh, Dark Sector, and a bunch of games um, as part of Digital Extremes. Um, and yeah, I was a you know senior level programmer at that company. Very cool. So 
what does the team look like a tactic? I mean, what's the, the group size? I mean, how does it look? Well, when we were making Claire de Lune, it was very tiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on that game, it, it fluctuated, but uh, there were two constants, myself and the other owner. Uh, and then there's um, been a handful of artists and animator, one animator that, uh, that helps. So I think we peaked at around five people um, for, for Claire de Lune. Now we've actually grown quite a bit. Um, there's a, another project that we've currently uh, lined up that's uh, allowed us to grow a little bit more. So now I think we're about 17 people. But at the time, we were about five. That's, I mean, what I'm looking at is pretty great for five people. I mean, that's, uh, you, you guys are using, a, I hear you're using a custom engine. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually also wrote our own game engine too. <laughs> so that, that's the that's the craziest part of it is uh, yeah. Myself and Dave wrote this engine. Um, Dave is uh, my uh, business partner. Um, uh, we're both programmers, and so that was the, the first thing we did when we started was build the engine. And then once we built the engine, we brought on some artists and animators to help flesh out the game. Um, you know, a bunch of, like I can animate and do art, and I did all the sound design as well. So. Uh, in addition to the programming and stuff, I did a lot of those kinds of things. That being said, it's also been development for a long time. So we mm-hmm. started it in 2015. So it's not like it, even though it's a small team, it also took a while. For yeah. It to did you do a previous game with this engine or is this the first big project? Sort of. We had an old game uh, that I made years and years ago, 2007, uh, called Immortal Empire. And it was a 2D game, like a kind of a XCOM like a fantasy XCOM game. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool game, if I may say so, but dated, obviously. It's like 14 years old now. But uh, it, it's uh, that was sort of built on the same engine. Yeah, like we wrote this 2D engine uh, for that game. And actually some of the code from there, actually quite a bit of the code from there is still around in this in this current incarnation of the engine. So we had a bit of a head start. All like the audio code, um, you know, networking, networking, uh, uh, input, you know, mouse, keyboard input, um, some of the user interface stuff, actually a lot of the user interface stuff was already there from that game. So we didn't have to rewrite it for this one, um, but we did to write entire 3d renderer and all the 3d animation stuff, physics. Um, there was lots more to add in and the engine's pretty different now. Mm-hmm. I think listeners would be very interested to know what are they building outside your, your, uh, home? Uh, other houses. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, we're just in a, a zone where it's like just us and like a bunch of dirt. And then there are like a million houses being built around us all simultaneously. Yeah. We kind of went through that in my area, uh, too recently, which is fantastic for producing a podcast. Uh, if, yeah. if, you, <laughs> if you had any, uh, any doubts about that, but yeah, we yeah. were one of the, we're about halfway through building the houses and we got in here and they built, you know, 12, 13 more. So that's a good time. I'm uh, sorry for you and your family during this time. <laughs> no, it's not bad at all. It doesn't bother me. Um, if I have to do audio editing, you know, I just go into the quietest room in the house. You yeah. do a bunch of noise reduction, throw headphones on. And, you know, it's kind of fun. I have kids and they like, before we were living in just the suburbs, you know, streets and roads or whatever. Now they're it's like dirt piles for them to play on. <laughs> rusty nails for them to, to find. So it's it, it is, fun. it is yeah. fantastic. I have a, a son and he loves all of that. He kind of misses the construction. So we have to go find some every once in a while for him to look at, but uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 
I think they're finding my kids are finding it kind of something new. So, yeah. So, uh, obviously this, this game looks fantastic so far. Uh, what, what did you not like about your current engine options? I mean, this is not accusatory in any way, but you decided to go it on your own. I'm curious about that. Yeah, no, um, tell you the truth. The engine options these days are, are quite good. Um, at the time when we started this, they weren't as good as they are now. Um, I guess that's true. At the time, yeah. Unreal Engine 3 was kind of the big one out of Epic. <laughs> it uh, They didn't allow source code. And I believe it was 25% of your total revenue is what they took, in addition to any uh, additional fees to release on console, which were not small. Uh, Unity also didn't allow source code. They still don't, as far as I'm aware. Um, and they just didn't have enough at the time. Uh, so we, we built the engine and then right around when we were like, feel like, okay, the engine's usable. Then Unreal Engine 4 came out and then they announced that Unreal Engine 4 would be free. And we're like, okay, <laughs> maybe if we had, uh, if it had been three years later or four years later, we would have just used Unreal. Mm -hmm. Uh, we were not anticipating they were going to release all the source code, make it free given the high price tag they've always had for, for decades. So, um, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. A great surprise. It's awesome that other uh, um, developers are getting access to that really, really great piece of technology. But uh, yeah. yeah, more just a timing thing than, than anything. And we knew we could do it. We, didn't, we knew we weren't going to like, we'd done these sorts of things before. So it wasn't like a complete Hail Mary. We just thought, ah, this is going to take us a couple of years. Let's just take the two years and do it. And then it'll be ours. Do you imagine yourself maybe turning this into a product of its own at some point or? I don't think so. Um, yeah. I can't see us really realistically competing with those larger companies. Um, there's some interesting aspects about the engine that those other engines don't have, but there's also things those engines have that, that we don't have, um, you know, like uh, hundreds of people working on it and uh, hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> yeah, <laughs> driving them. So, uh, you know, and obviously other features. So, um, it's difficult for us to compete. Um, plus, there's already really good. It's a very you know, good market out there. The tools and options that are available are fantastic. So, um, you know, if, if anything, we did anything with the engine, it might be just to release it open source for people to use. Nice. That's something we are chit-chatting about internally to see if we want to do. We might do that. And uh, that would be awesome for people to, yeah, if they want a completely free alternative you know, engine as opposed to the five percent or whatever Unreal or Epic currently charges, be another yeah. option. Yeah, you you must have sort of a community rallied around behind. I mean, you've got a decent YouTube following started. You've got a, a very nice looking game coming up. I mean, you guys must already be in pretty close contact with uh, future players, enthusiasts, things like that. Do you guys are you guys hearing from a lot of people right now? Um, yeah, I mean, through our PR company, Vicarious, um, they've connected us to a bunch of people, including yourself, and it's been great so far. We're seeing uh, you know, YouTubers play the game. We're seeing Twitch streamers play the game. We gave them some advanced keys, mm -hmm. and that's been really awesome. I mean, it was an early buggy build, so a lot of things didn't totally work. But um, I was happy that people were even just able to get the game to run. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, was just, I just thought it would just be crashes everywhere, and then they were able to play it pretty much all the way through so um yeah that felt good and uh it's great to see people playing it finally and hearing their feedback and finding it funny like you write a line and then you get a voice actor to deliver the line and you think it's funny but then you just hope like other people actually think the game is funny too so yeah and i mean you're you're doing a sort of puzzle loosely puzzle based uh game in the in the vein of portal i guess 
but it it seems like there's clearly a lot of writing going on pretty relatively heavy on on narrative and story and you know what was this this writing experience like for a game like this uh, super fun um yeah like uh definitely has a ton of writing um it's it's mainly the relationship between john the protagonist uh, who's a father trying to reunite with his daughter claire when they get separated and um it's him kind of bonding with his ai ship ai spaceship ai whose name is arturo uh, and they have pretty different personalities you know Arturo's really outgoing and kind of funny and john's very kind of deadpan and serious and sarcastic and so they just play off each other and it's just neat seeing that relationship develop between these two guys as far as as far as writing is concerned yeah, um, it came really easily to me. Uh, I've written stuff before, um, you know, like Immortal Empire I wrote. Uh, compared to that game, it just has walls and walls and walls of text. This game's actually pretty small by comparison, even though there's still thousands and thousands of lines. Um, there's quite a bit of story content in there. It wasn't the same level as like an 80-hour RPG, like the last one I did. Um that being said, uh, yeah, the, the process is pretty straightforward. I find I just like write some dialogue, kind of whatever's popped in my head, and I go away from it for a while, then I play through it maybe months later to make sure it doesn't sound stupid, and it usually does. And then I replace all the stupid lines with stuff that's not quite so stupid until it starts sounding good. And then once I'm no longer, once I can like listen through a cinematic and I'm like not annoyed by anything, then I'm like, okay, it's good. I'll just leave it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long have you had uh, publisher support with what you're doing? I mean, you guys are doing some pretty ambitious stuff. How long has that been uh, a help? This game does not have a publisher, so uh, not at all. Um, I can say we're, we are working with a publisher on the, the new game that we're, we're currently looking at, but uh, that's all secret at the moment. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, Claire Loon does not have a publisher, so we just did it all ourselves. We've worked with um, the... Uh, we're from Canada and there are some grants like government grants that you can apply for. It's a very competitive program. And if you kind of show like here, there's a business case for this, then they'll um, provide a certain amount of financing um, to help uh, fund a project like this. And so it's partially funded by the Ontario government. Um, but, and, and that's the case for a ton of games built out of Canada um, virtually all of them, if not a hundred percent of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just an incentive that the government puts through to try and you know, produce uh, Canadian content. Gotcha. I think my confusion was, uh, vicarious does like marketing services, stuff like that, but then they also have a publishing arm and I wasn't sure oh. which one you were working with. So you're, yeah. you're, they're taking care of your marketing stuff. Is that right? That's right. So vicarious is just doing the marketing. They're not publishing the game. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I, you're the probably fifth or sixth Canadian developer I've talked to in the last year who is getting help from Canada yeah. to uh, to do the game. I mean, is it just? I mean, it's great that they offer it. Is it also easy to do? I mean, everybody's doing it now, which is cool. Um, is it easy to get the funding? You mean? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say easy. No, uh, it's very competitive. I would say. Yeah. But I'd say if you are making a game in Canada then you likely have funding behind it, um, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it, it's hard to, to fund it otherwise. And uh, generally, there's also some some tax credits they have. The Canadian government, and in our case, the provincial government has been fantastic. I'm pretty sure the United States has comparable things on a state-by-state state basis. Yeah, because yeah, here it, I think it is pretty complicated. 
So yeah, and and, it, and other countries have it too. So I think Canada is just trying to keep pace with the level of development. Canada Canadian banks too are also um, less likely to give loans than mm-hmm. um, American banks are. They tend to be a little more uh, willing to take risk in America, whereas here they're quite uh, conservative. Um, which has its positives and negatives. And so for a business, uh, yeah, we look to these other grants to help, uh, help fund. And then, yeah, it's very competitive. You have to make, there's quite a people, a lot of people apply for it. Um, it's not just free. You have to also contribute money yourself too. They won't just throw money at you. And then on top of that, um, uh, yeah, you have to have a, a proven team that knows what they're doing. And, um, outcompete all the other people that are looking for the same, same chunk there. So, um, yeah. It's still extremely cool that that option is, is there. And, uh, so, so available, uh, to compete for, which is uh, fair enough, you know, but, uh, it's awesome. I mean, even my kids, they, they watch cartoons or whatever at the end of their cartoon during the credits, you can see it's like backed by the Canadian government or backed by the Ontario government or the Quebec government or whatever, like any of these Canadian shows, I'm not sure if you've, do you, I'm not sure if you, do you guys have like Paw Patrol and like, Oh, we do. Yeah. That, yeah. So that's Canadian and it's totally funded by the Canadian government. Not completely, but like partially. I didn't like, realize that. I didn't know yeah, Paw like, Patrol was Canadian. My son to this day, he loves that. He's only six. So, I mean, he's still very into that. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure they're Canadian or at least a chunk of, it. I definitely know a bunch of people that like work on Paw Patrol in Toronto mm-hmm. and, um, any any of these like Canadian cartoons uh, that are now seeing a bigger audience because of Netflix and things like that. Um, yeah. They're all subsidized and uh, it's amazing. I love that our government uh, helps fund the arts and aren't stingy about the funding in the sense that they will fund, um, you know, video games, they'll fund, you know, television series, they'll fund cartoons, they'll fund, you know, broadcasting, uh, novels, like if you're a novelist, they'll fund, like it's all kinds of stuff that they will help, uh, you know, help you produce. So, and it's, it's, it's to their benefit to some extent as well, right? It generates jobs. It helps bolster the economy. It brings companies to the, to the area, uh, that otherwise wouldn't have done. So, I mean, our company wouldn't exist without it. You know, now we're employing 17 people, um, all from this, frankly, fairly tiny investment from them. So yeah, yeah that tiny amount of money just goes a long way, right? It, it seems like it is working to the extent that, uh, it, like you said, we're starting to see more and more examples of shows, you know, just household names that are seem uh, attached to Canada and their funding. Uh, I, I think maybe we're even kind of seeing um, it, its own kind of version of Hollywood. We're, we're starting to see a lot of experts in animation and, you know, uh, certainly the game industry has a ton of uh, influential people in like Quebec and, you know, a few, a few of your hotspots you have, just like we have ours down here. It yep. seems like there's a, a shift that direction of like Canadian influence in, in all of these mediums, uh, especially in, in games. We're always very excited. Like this is the latest thing out of, you know, Montreal or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, give it to me. I'm ready. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, um, I mean, Ubisoft is a huge run, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've, had, we've had three massive companies out of Canada, Electronic Arts, uh, BioWare, and Ubisoft. I mean, Ubisoft <laughs> originally was in France, but um, their big studio uh, where they did like Prince of Persia and um, you know later Assassin's Creed and Far Cry and all their big franchises were built out of Montreal and Canada. 
Um, and same thing with Bioware, Mass Effect, Dragon Age, um, the old Baldur's Gate series, Knights of the Old Republic, they're all Canadian. Um, and, and the original Electronic Arts, so Trip Hawkins, who founded that, he's Canadian and out in, in BC, you have a ton of like Relic Entertainment. And it just seems like whenever there's kind of one place that has as a big studio, like, like Bioware, EA, uh, Ubisoft, and where we are in London, it's digital extremes. They're, they're a bit smaller compared to those other studios, but, um, uh, you know, they've had a huge amount of success with Warframe and in the past Unreal Tournament. When you have that little nexus there, people come in, you know, I worked at DE for a long time, but eventually you want to do something different, right? Mm-hmm. You start, you know, you get a few enterprising people that have the same mindset, you start a studio and, if you know what you're doing, then you can you know, be successful. So there's, yeah, there's quite a few studios in London. It's a small town. I mean, we're 400,000 people, not like a big, you know, metropolis or something like that. And I think there's like five pretty good sized game companies in the city here. And so. the, big, the big studios are smart. I mean, uh, like when I spoke with people from Gearbox in Texas, they were like, oh, we, you know, you know how things are uh, up near Ubisoft in Canada. We we opened a small office across the street and, you know, several people who have <laughs> yeah. moved on from there went to this office across the road. Now they've got this great second studio going in, in uh, well, wherever they, they opened it up. And they said, we love working with those guys because they're experts who have been around the industry forever now. Their work blows us away all the time. And it was really kind of a nice story in, in an industry where you routinely hear like, we've got three studios, they don't get along, nobody likes each other. Like these guys have been very excited to to partner with these like long term industry pros, which has been kind of cool to hear about. Yeah, like I think uh, Montreal also has Eidos, who made mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, uh, obviously another huge franchise now. They're owned by Square Enix, but um, yeah, same thing. It's like it's great having like if, if digital extremes and our company are both in the same city, it can only benefit both of us, right? Like if yeah. someone comes to work for our company, we're much smaller, of course, but, uh, and then decides, Hey, I've worked with these guys for a while. I want to move on. There's another one right here. So it's easier for us to attract people to our company for that reason. Um, and it's mutually beneficial, right? If someone gets sick of working at DE, they can come work here. If someone yeah. gets sick of working with us. They can go work there and it's a change of pace, right? And, and things like Ubisoft is just in Toronto now. So two hours is not that we're two hours from Toronto. So it's a pretty short drive if you want to work there. And nowadays everyone's working remote anyhow. So um, yeah, it's really changed things. How you got into the industry, did you start sort of at, at the, the high level uh, AAA contribution level or did you do smaller stuff before that or pretty much go straight to a big studio? Uh, my first job was at uh, Ubisoft Montreal. So that's... Um, I was a senior person there. I was a junior programmer, but uh, that would have been 2005. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's when I started there. I was doing GameCube, um, PS2, and the original Xbox. I don't know what you call it anymore. The the, the Xbox. The first the one. The Xbox, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one. Uh, games. And um, uh, following that, I did some mobile stuff, like kind of previous to smartphones like this is old flip phones like the razor yeah flip phone we did a bunch of games for that and that was at capcom um in in because i wanted to move back to ontario um being an anglophone and uh yeah and then d shortly thereafter so um yeah i always kind of worked at fairly large companies i would say um mid-sized to large companies um 
uh, yeah, but uh, it's a cha- nice change of pace to be at a, a doing something smaller now with Tactic. Yeah, although we're, now we're getting bigger again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, yeah. You've you've aged us both now because I also I left tech school in 2005 and went into the workforce. And so uh, now people know what that looked like. It was the original Xbox, the flip phones, yeah. and, <laughs> and uh, you name it. So uh, that's okay. It's 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 been a fun career for both of us. It seems like. Yeah. And um, I mean, are you enjoying the transition? Is the change of pace pleasing to you? Are you are you a little shell shocked from the whole thing, or what's going on? Oh, it's fantastic. It's yeah. great. Yeah, I love doing it. I mean, on on one hand. I love having my own engine. Um, I loved working on uh, uh, DE's engine as well. They also have their own proprietary engine, which was really fun to work on um, because you have a lot of flexibility in terms of what you can do and add to it. You're not getting like terrified about touching some code because I'm like, oh my god, what if? Because we I used to on um, uh, on Bioshock was Unreal, right? And so when we worked on Bioshock, you're terrified about touching any of the Epic code because if Epic decides to change that code. Now you got to merge them and it's just a, yeah. a big nightmare. So um, having your own engine, you have hundred percent flexibility. You can make it do exactly what you want. It's much easier to work with um, from our standpoint. So that's been great. I also get to do things that I otherwise wouldn't get to do. Right. I mean, I did all the sound design for this game. Every mm-hmm. sound in there is, is mine. And um, that uh, is something I would not be able to do. At your company, they would say we have a sound designer that does that. And uh, while there's times where that can be, a, you know, like I'm getting a little tired of just like editing audio and dropping in footsteps and things like that, uh, it's a nice change of pace to be able to do that and do some art and uh, all the UI screens are all mine too. So, um, yeah, it's sometimes nice to step out of the coding box and do some other stuff. It's true. If you were from a much bigger team on this project, I could could have never asked you like what was the writing experience like. You would look at me like I was stupid, you know, <laughs> and, and it would be the wrong question to ask anyway. But it is it is cool to have influence over this many aspects of a project and still have it look like Claire de Lune looks. It looks like it's going to be just uh, fantastic quality. And I mean, we're in the last two weeks. It's looking good. Uh, are you surprised by any of the feedback? in in terms of like this is not what we expected to hear people focused on or um are you guys scrambling right now has development kind of cooled down a little bit uh how are these last couple of weeks going um i can't say that i've heard any feedback that was surprising necessarily me i'm sure it's out there uh some feedback that i, I wasn't anticipating it's kind of hard to, to not anticipate some people are going to like it some people are not going to like it, it mm-hmm. is what it is but I'd say most of what I have seen from the streamers and, and watching the Twitch streams and the comments from the users watching the people play it have all been really positive. Um, people seem to like watching it. Uh, they like watching the streamer go through and helping them solve the puzzles and, and things like that. Uh, they seem to find it funny and entertaining. The puzzles aren't too difficult. Uh, you know, occasionally someone will see a puzzle and they're like, <laughs> like, how do I even solve this? And they're getting frustrated. And then about two minutes later, they have the answer. And they go, oh, that actually wasn't so bad. <laughs> right? Or, or they'll, t- they'll take maybe five minutes to solve a puzzle and they'll be like, oh my God, that was so difficult. Yeah. Like, five minutes. I mean, it wasn't really that long. Um, in terms of us scrambling, um, not really. No. I mean, we don't crunch uh, at the studio and um, 
in term, obviously there's a lot of work still to be done and we want to make sure the game is as good as it can be before we release and um, that requires a lot of hard work but um, no I, I mean I, I can't really sacrifice uh, my home life I got kids I'm married right I can't just like completely do away with all that just because we're shipping a game right we'll, we'll, we'll be able to ship it once we're able to and um, <laughs> once it comes out I'm sure we won't have caught every bug and we'll listen to the user feedback and, and, and fix those things as soon as we can. So it's encouraging to hear that philosophy on, you know, home and work balance from an yeah. indie like yourself, because I, I talk to a lot of indies and it's always a very different philosophy. Some people have exactly that outlook. And then yeah. some people tell me like, I'm not working at a normal, like punch the clock gig. So I can't stop myself from doing this stuff at home. Mm-hmm. And, and I get mm-hmm. that too. Like I understand how that would sort of creep in, but uh, just based on my limited experience, I tell people like you're either on top of every aspect of your life at once or none of them. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, <laughs> yeah, like no, I, I can totally relate to that. Certainly that's true to an extent um, because my kids are home that we're currently in a lockdown. So my kids yeah. aren't even at school. Right. So uh, when that happens, yeah, it's not like my hours are nine to five every day or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I've got to take time to go help them with school but then, you know, once they're in bed and asleep, then I'll come and boot the computer back up again and do some more work at night. Um, but not every night or whatever. Um, so, yeah, the hours are strange. But I'd say that's largely because of the pandemic more so than uh, um, it would be my preference. I'd rather work just kind of nine to five, nine to six, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the uh, lockdown experience been like there? I've heard it's pretty aggressive. It's not crazy. No, uh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, maybe compared to certain states, but, um, Mm -hmm. well, the schools are closed. And that's for us is the big, big thing. Um, All the uh, retail stores are closed. Malls are closed. You can't get stuff from them. But I have to say, other than the schools being closed, for me personally, um, it's not been crazy. It's obviously affected the business. We've had to delay the game. Um, because I haven't had the time to focus on it uh, as much as I would have liked due to the pandemic. So there's, there's been that, uh, that we've had to contend with delays in the game can cause other problems. You're not launching at the time period that you want to launch at. Uh, and that can, you know, be, be problematic. If you launch in the middle of summer or like in the middle of a sale or something, your game just gets completely lost or if like cyberpunk is coming out and you launch on the same day, it's, (laughs) <laughs> bad news, but, um, but but uh, but other than those uh, delays uh, due to due to COVID, um, yeah, kids are at home. That's the big thing uh, that disrupts your life, and you can't go into stores, but you can order stuff from stores, and then you just drive there, and they put it in your car, and you come back home, you get the same thing. Anyhow, you don't have to go in the store. Um, it's not that it's not that big of a deal, I would say. Um, I think the people who are feeling it more are people who are in that industry. If you're in like entertainment industry Mm -hmm. from like, uh, you know, you're a band that plays gigs or something, or you're, um, you know, music promoter or a restaurant. um, uh, Those ones are the ones that are feeling the pain right now, I think. Yeah, I think that's right here. We, we certainly spent some time almost in the exact same situation. Everything's shut down. Don't check. It's, it's shut down. Uh, Right now, there are places around town I could go where you would have no idea anything's going on, which yeah. is strange <laughs> because we we spent that time like you spent. Uh, it really got into my head a little bit. Like I felt like 
we're in here. There's nothing out there. And like, it's okay. It's just a much different life. And you sort of get used to that. And now we can go to, uh, you know, certain stores aren't even really paying attention to the masks or anything. It's like, what? it feels like going, going back in time, except you know that something's much different now and, and it's, it's not great. So. Your vaccine rollout's been really positive though, right? I mean, isn't over like half the entire state vaccinated now? At this point, I think I heard that same number. I think we're over over halfway now. Uh, I'm in a state where our governor doesn't really believe in any of this. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, it's harder for you to get a vaccine if, were you to want one? Yeah. It's, it's been a more disappointing uh, place to be. I, I finally managed to get my second dose a uh, few weeks ago at this point. So I'm, I'm finally in the clear. But uh, ooh, it, it was really touch and go there for a while. And I, I joked on Twitter, like the fastest way for me to get the vaccine would be to move out of state. And <laughs> it, it was true for a while. Like I could have sold the house, bought a new house, uh, got my new driver's license, got the first dose. It would have all been faster. But um, yeah. It's, having, I mean, I know many Canadians that are driving to the States to get their vaccine. And mm-hmm. um, it, typically people who are have dual citizenship or something like that, like if they are Canadian American, then they will go get theirs in the States. Uh, ours has been really slow uh, by comparison. I think we're just kind of getting it going now. I think we're at around 3% of mm. our population and we're a much smaller country. So I think you've got I think, 150 million people fully vaccinated. I think we're at around 3%, which is worth 33 million. So, and that's like a few hundred thousand. Yeah. So uh, it's not, not very much smaller, but, but I think we have quite a large number that are have their first dose now. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we're having to delay our doses because we don't have enough of the vaccine. So I think the second doses are coming out in about four months, four to five months. So it's uh, uh, it's wild how how we're still pr- pretty deep in this thing. Like we're really not <laughs> <laughs> we're not out of it yet. So. Well, but the states, I mean, you guys, your case count is dropping like mad. It it's really finally dropping like, aggressively. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like the vaccines are having an effect and you should be opening up, I would think, really soon. And uh, it's encouraging for us, right? Because when we see how things are going so well down there, I just think like, well, as soon as we get these, our population having those same numbers, I'm sure the same thing will happen to us. I and mean, we had a, a kind of a third wave come through here that just didn't mm-hmm. hit the states at all. You guys were fine. And ours, it was our kind of our worst wave yet. Um, Cause we're seeing all those variants come through, right? This, yeah. uh, um, but they seem to have completely passed over the states because of these vaccines. So um, yeah, it's encouraging to see, I think it's, it's causing other people to prompting them to go get vaccinated. And um, I'm just praying that it'll have the same effect. And maybe by the next school year, uh, my kids will be back in class. It'd be great. Oh yeah, I hope so. We're all very hopeful about next school year for the kids. Uh, we all know it's not the same experience at all. We totally get it, oh, and yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to uh, not only that, but like you said, it's a it's a different work experience. Um, I'm going to have to look at here around this house. We were in a very unique position before this ever started. I was freelancing and contracting and stuff from home. My wife was, uh, she's a physician. She was doing virtual care already. So she's doing telemedicine and stuff. So when this started, we went, okay, we're in an okay position to keep working and keep doing everything. And we were very upbeat and everything. And I still feel like this experience emotionally kicked everyone's ass. Like we, we had no hope (laughs) of, uh, you know, feeling the same from day to day. It's like, Oh my God, I can't believe what we're seeing outside. But, 
if if it's encouraging to you, yes, it's a totally different experience now as the cases drop. My my wife's job is easier. She she oh. had months where she didn't get one night off. 12-hour shifts oh. overnight every night, wow. could not take a night off, and she said, oh. "We don't even think about it anymore. This whole team, we just we do everything we can for everyone. It's an emergent like pressing uh, patients crashing left and right and everything just all night. We don't even think about it between those 12 hours on and off. Yeah. Now we're able to take the occasional family night off again. There's, <laughs> there's light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, hang in there. It, it does start to get better in a hurry once, once the vaccine really starts to roll out. So that's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly how it seems. And yeah, we're, we're I think we're fortunate both that things are rolling out starting to roll out in Canada now. And that, uh, you know, our neighbors, it's also been rolled out well in advance there and there's no other bordering countries. So, uh, we should be, we should be good. Yeah. So sort of getting back to it, you've got some momentum here with the studio strengthening a little bit. You're in position for what looks like it's going to be a successful release here. I can't see any reason this won't be, uh, a, a successful game release for you. I think this is going to be a very popular title. Uh, you know, where do you go from here? Do you do more development work on this for later content? Think about the next game. What's what's in store? Yeah, it's a good, good question. Well, I, I really hope that you're right and that people, uh, you know, resonates with people and they like the game. Um, that's uh, what we're aiming for, of course. Uh, for the uh, forthcoming future, I mean, uh, we, I have a million game ideas. I mean, that's in no shortage of those. So uh, it would be a matter of kind of assessing the uh, uh, kind of uh, financial success of the game. If it warrants it, then we'll port the game to console. Um, we're already approved to port it to um, Xbox and PlayStation. So we're, we're nice. able to do that. It's just a matter of because we wrote our own engine, it's not as straightforward for us to port it. We do have to port the engine over. Big disadvantage of having your own engine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you have to do that work manually. So um uh, but we can totally do it, and um, if it, you know, like I said, the finance is warranted, we'll absolutely do that. So that's probably on deck, and um, and then beyond that, it'll be new games. Very cool. Sorry, you're hearing some screaming over there. It's just my kids. <laughs> just a tad, and uh, mine was just carrying on just a moment ago. So there's, that's in terms of podcasting, the uh, pandemic has had a few benefits, which is everyone's expectations have come way down on audio quality. <laughs> Uh, really, I mean, like it's no longer any surprise when someone barges into the room, the (laughs) sun comes in and waves at the, I can, I can show you several shows where my son like, can I talk to that guy? Like, yeah, come on over. It's no big deal. So that's actually been totally great and is uh, certainly no, no issue for me. I've been debating Um, getting a new microphone. I've had this like cheap $5, like Logitech stand mic since like 2010 or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure I sound like a like I'm talking over a, a, the telephone or something. Um, and I see everyone I speak to has these like amazing high quality mics and sound <laughs> like radio broadcasters. I'm like I should get myself one of those. Yeah. Logitech <laughs> makes pretty good stuff. Like even their older stuff is pretty good. You sound decent. I think you'll be I think you'll be satisfied if you listen back. Like it's there's certainly nothing wrong with your audio quality. Okay. <laughs> what I tell people is like the the holy trinity is like Logitech. And then blue, like the Yeti mics, those those are always very popular and they're pretty affordable. And then, uh, you know, up to the studio quality or like a lot of these very expensive mic manufacturers make uh, specialty USB podcast mics and stuff now. Like 
there's there's a whole logical progression, but Logitech is a good place to be for right now. So you sound <laughs> okay. sound well, fine to me. Five dollars is well spent. It's, I like uh, that chair. What kind well. of chair is that? Oh, it's an Anda seat. Nice. Yeah, that looks yeah, wonderful. I, I had a um, like years ago. I bought this used uh, Herman Miller like ergonomic special. I'm like, if I'm going to be sitting at home when I started the company, I'm like. I might as well sit in something comfortable so I don't like start having back problems or whatever. So I bought yeah. this chair that was expensive and uh, it broke on me. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, it was great for a little while until it broke. And <laughs> then when it broke, I'm like, Ugh. so um, those chairs are so expensive. I was actually able to sell that chair and buy this one and have like a hundred dollars left over <laughs> the broke, the broken chair. Right, so it's a broken one, and someone was like, "I can repair this." Was it happy to pay for it, and then bought this one? I have to say, I'm I'm preferring this one. It's got the back, it's got the lumbar, got the neck thing here. It's pretty comfortable. I uh, my my pandemic purchase was one of the chairs. It's not this one, but upstairs my wife's. I bought a nice chair for my wife's office. That's how crazy the lockdown has been. So I could go in there and, and relax and talk to her and stuff. But it's one of the ones where the footrest comes out of the bottom. Oh, that's and, cool. And it yeah. leans like all the way back, yeah. so that I could lay down. Oh, it's it's been fantastic. She is completely <laughs> sick of me up there. And, <laughs> yeah, but, I think this one does go all the way back if I wanted to, but I've never had to, never done that before. Yeah, so the, it up right. the yeah. big takeaway today is uh, treat yourself on the office chairs. I think everybody should not hesitate. Yeah, there's a few things that are worth spending your money on. The thing that I'm sitting in in for like at least eight hours a day, yeah, it's worth spending a little bit of money on. They're not that expensive, right? It's not yeah. like this was a thousand dollars or it's a few no. hundred. So. Um, and it's last, it lasts three years. So, yeah. So in, in terms of gaming, what does someone in your position with your experience, I mean, like, how do you spend your gaming time? Do you get to spend gaming time these days? Uh, currently I'm not doing quite as much just because of, uh, of COVID basically, um, anytime that I, I'm losing throughout the day, I'm trying to make up in the evening, uh, to try and get the game out. Uh, but up until the most recent lockdown, I was still definitely playing games all the time. Um, I play all kinds of stuff. Uh, what did I played recently? Um, Ghost of Tsushima I've been playing a bit. Uh, Last of Us 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other one? The Jedi Dark Souls one. Fallen Order? Yeah, Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. Played a bit of that. I replayed all the Souls games recently in Sekiro. Um I had played them and then played them a second time. And I was like, I just want to see if I actually, can I, are these hard still? Or yeah. they're actually quite, quite a lot easier when you play through them. You kind of know what to expect. They're yeah. weren't so bad. Um, also I played Baldur's Gate three, the early access been doing that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I recently played divinity, original sin one and two. Um, I don't know. I, I play a good like 30, 40 games a year. So I'm, you, you like I'm story right and a challenge is what I'm picking up here. Yeah, yeah, and I like you know non-challenging games too. But um, and my daughter loves games as well, so I play mm-hmm. games with her all the time. So she's we're, she's got a Nintendo Switch, and so we're playing like all the Mario games together, Donkey Kong, Overcooked, mm-hmm. um, some other puzzle games too, like Baba is You and uh, whatever else. Um, I don't know. I, I try to make it an effort to play and beat most games that that come out. So no, good for you. <laughs> I'm a, I'm, you know, I play maybe 
500 or so beaten about 500 games so that's something like somewhere around there it's uh i i'm always encouraged when i hear somebody this deep into projects saying like there is a recent game i've played you know what i mean like it hasn't been six months since i've been able to touch the controller uh because we've all been guilty of getting pretty deep into it and uh yeah, some some designers don't like to just play games as much, and I get that too, and that doesn't really detract from uh, their projects, I don't think, but uh, it's nice to hear you're getting to do some. I love playing games, and I also, I feel like I have to, um, so that's a good, good uh, works well, uh, mm-hmm. that I'm doing things that I feel like I have to, but yeah, especially if you're making a puzzle game, I, just, I feel like I have to play all the other puzzle games out there and see what they've done, right? I don't want to duplicate things other people have done um and that's the same for any other game that we make right if we're if we're making a, a shooter i'm going to play a bunch of shooters if i'm making a real-time strategy i'm going to play a bunch of real-time strategy games right otherwise you're going to make the same mistakes and the game won't be as good so um and i love doing it so it works mm. out <laughs> yeah. so so being this heavy a gamer what what influences uh have sort of touched this project outside the gaming world i mean what other kind of uh, books, movies, just anything, anything that you're into. Yeah. You know what? That's funny. People ask me that a lot. And I can't, I can't say that I'm necessarily drawing upon, um, too much media, even games. I mean, to tell the truth, we, we we're trying to differentiate ourselves from portal more so than, oh, sure. than copy it. Right. So that people don't feel it's, it's a, it's a clone and, um, and it's not, uh, it's, it's pretty, <laughs> di- pretty different. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's not like I like watched the movie. I'm like, oh, that movie was was awesome. I'm inspired to make something similar to it. I feel like many of these ideas are ideas I've had from years ago that I just have. I have this this like list of around 120 games that I feel like I have to make before I die. I'm sure I'm going to get through like five of them if I'm lucky. <laughs> One will be lucky. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going to pick them very carefully. But uh, yeah, I, I just usually I like have like a dream or I'll just kind of think like oh, I play I think this would be a cool idea for a game that hasn't been done before and so um, I guess the original idea for this game was something um, I, it was right when my daughter was born and she was like uh, trying to get up on the couch and so she had actually pulled all of the couch cushions off to like make a little like step and then was <laughs> able to climb up the steps and get under the couch yeah. and I'm like <laughs> there's a game here. (laughs) And that was the origin of the cube in the game. I thought you can like spawn a cube to like get up to a higher level. And then we added all this other stuff too, to make it more interesting. But that's where that initially came from. Um, Nice. Yeah. I don't know. Art imitating life. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I get it. Like parenting is such a unique experience because uh, obviously we all spend time in childhood and we, we have interesting experiences that would probably serve us well later in life. But to observe it, like you're, you're sort of more focused on your kids than you were focused on yourself at, oh, at that more. time. Way more. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. also responsible for that person's safety. Of course, it's a whole thing, but, <laughs> but it's, it's fun to sort of see that and go, this does make me think, or, or you know, this, this does bring up philosophical questions or uh, inspiration of some kind. It's, it's actually very, it's interesting in ways nobody could have really prepared me for. I don't know if you find that as well. I had the same experience. Yeah. It's wild to see, um, you know, being a programmer, I, you know, I, we write AIs to write the game we're working on deals with a lot of artificial intelligence stuff because mm-hmm. you're, you're talking to this AI. And so I, I think about how like an AI would be written if we were trying to like replicate human behavior, for instance, 
uh, through through programming. And then when I see my kids, and you see like kind of how they learn things, it's like that's exactly how I would have programmed it. <laughs> if I were making a program to, to learn something like, you know, they're trying to like reach a door and they're just kind of randomly going and they're missing it and they're missing it. And eventually they get it. And it's like, mm, I'm going to try pulling it this way. That doesn't work. And get it. I'll try this. That doesn't work. And then eventually they're kind of like, uh, and once they get it, they're sort of like, they figured this like mechanism to like repeat it. And they just get better and better and better until they're able to do it. And it's like that with everything, like walking, eating, you know, going to the bathroom, opening <laughs> doors, like putting things in their mouth, just anything that they learn to do when they're babies. It's this like trial and error with positive yeah. reinforcement. And I'm like, Hmm, that's what AIs do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the other side of that is we as designers are trying to put together these levels in our homes for them that they cannot beat all the time. Uh, (laughs) I'm trying to make sure there is a boundary between you and this electrical outlet and that you can't find your way into the attic. Yeah. Yeah. So like we stored knives on like this low shelf, like "Hmm, maybe we should put those up high. Uh, Things like that. We're taking away this loot. You can't have it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How old's your uh, son? He's, he's six now. And uh, we just built this house. So we've lived in a variety of environments with him, which Probably why it's fresh on my mind. We went from a smaller house to a small apartment while this place was built. And uh, now we're sort of, we've had a couple of years in the new place, so it all still feels fresh. But this is most of what he remembers at this point. So, Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Six is a great age. Does he play games? He does. He, we're big racing fans around here. So uh, he plays a lot of stuff like uh, any any racing game with an open world. Uh, oh, yeah. preferably where some D bag online can't harass him, you know, in like a monster <laughs> truck and try to run him off the road and stuff, which yeah. I've seen a few times now, but uh, right now we're playing burnout paradise remastered, which uh, we both really like actually. So my one daughter was getting, uh, was watching me play Hearthstone, And then um, she was like, I want to play. I want to play. I'm like, okay. And <laughs> like, uh, so I like gave her my deck that was already kind of pretty good deck. And like, she's just sort of putting cards up and doing whatever. <laughs> And yeah, so she beat this person in her stone. And it starts getting messages on screen, like, starts beating all this, like, horrible stuff. And, and, like, so I just, like, reply back. I'm like, you're playing my seven-year-old daughter at her stone. So <laughs> maybe don't uh, send that stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I have also recently ha- had to open up a message from a complete stranger directed toward my child, <laughs> um, which is uh what it brings up a lot of important points about parenting is like very carefully selecting the games in terms of what the online communication actually is and what's available. So I've got, you know, messages from strangers go to a special folder, you know, the whole thing it's on full lock. Yep. Here he is. Oh, there we go. You want to say hi, buddy? Hi. Perfectly well-timed. Hello. My name's William. (laughs) Hello, William. I'm Jesse. We're uh, wrapping up, buddy. You want to sit there and wait? Yeah, I'll sit. Okay. Thanks, pal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so awesome yeah we 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 get messages from strangers which is uh funny and um uh, it's it's really another interesting thing watching that next generation come up and discover the games and us having to turn into the people who are like no turn it off you've had enough you know it's it's <laughs> very funny yeah it's, it's super fun I, I i get a great kick out of it um if she sees me making games and stuff and she'll come in and ask like how do you do this and how do you do that and she's mm-hmm. like i want to make games when i'm older it's so fun and so it's really awesome to to see it yeah are you going to discourage her from getting into your line of work or uh, are you going to welcome not at all 
Not at all. I welcome it for sure. I think it's for me has been incredibly positive. Uh, nice. I really don't have anything negative to say. Uh, yeah, it's just been super great. It's a great creative outlet. It's a great technical outlet. Um, you know, I, there was a time where if you were an artist, it was kind of hard to even find a job, right? Yeah. For a while there, right? Yeah. Now artists are in demand, like tremendously in demand, you know? Um, it, through the skills I've learned through through making games, it's like I, I feel like I could translate these skills to many other industries too. It, would that be something I wanted to do? So no, I think it's a great industry to be in. I really can't recommend it enough. And it seems to me that we're finally in a time where other industries are a lot more receptive to people who worked in games and have those those game-related uh, development skills. I mean, they'll, they'll pick up those coders, they'll pick up those artists. I think uh, there's increasing credibility given to the writers and stuff. And uh, so I... You know, obviously, it's there. There are problems in the industry, and there are things that need to be corrected. But it's becoming there's a lot of potential for good that's developing as well. I think. I think you'll start seeing another generation of uh, developers and business owners. Right? You had a lot of uh, business owners coming out of the '80s and '90s, uh, where you had a lot of success purely because you were there. Right? Mm -hmm. The competition was ultra low. If you had a computer and you had a program, right, you could make a game that was pretty low quality and still make a ton of money because um, there wasn't very many games. It's completely different now, right? Now the competition is crazy high. And um, I think to attract people and to be able to make games, it has to be at a certain level. You have to have a certain level of work-life balance. And I think you're going to get, you know, a, a younger generation of people coming through developing studios that have a different mindset. So a lot of those negative things you might hear from, from other studios, I don't think you'll see, you know, continuing into the future. Yeah. Yeah. That's my prediction. Anyhow. Yeah. I'm, it sounds yeah. good. I think I'm with you. Um, so as we kind of wrap things up, tell players uh, what they should check out, where they can find you online, anything you want to direct them toward. Sure. Yeah. Um, they should check out Claire to Loon, uh, which is on steam and Epic games store. So whatever your platform of choices, you can, uh, Wish list it there and that'll let us know that you want to buy it and you'll get a little email when the game comes out and it'll say, buy the game. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, other than that, you can follow the company uh, on Twitter, just at tactic studios or on Instagram. If you kind of want to see um, the development process, there's some interviews with the voice actors and uh, uh, stuff like that. If you're, if you're really hardcore into it. <laughs> Very cool. Well, uh, Jesse, this has been perfect. Thanks for coming on. And we will look forward to uh, seeing Claire DeLune here in the next couple of weeks. Thanks so much for inviting me. It was really great to speak with you. <laughs> and I'll go corral my son. So uh, yeah. have a good one. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much.